Hey, it's Brian. And hey, it's Murdoch. Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. I like everybody. that you t- you take a little bit of time to just switch that up. So if, if every if someone's just blitzing this series of episodes that we've put into the universe, you know, they at least the surprise they're going to get is how you say welcome to rock and roll bedtime stories at the beginning. You know, because cadence, everyone, it means something. <laughs> we are professional broadcasters or former professional broadcasters. This is a bonus episode. That's why we're just fucking off the chain already. Uh, it, we we do these occasionally, uh, and you know, it's it's a, a, in a, in addition to what we give you once a week when we do a deep dive on a a story or a question about rock and roll history. And, uh, and guess what? It's fun as shit, too. It's a, it's a really good time. We we clearly love doing this. And as you know, you can always involve yourself in the matters of the show via email. That's simple. It's wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. Now, that said, we often get letters that focus less on the rumor or innuendo that like sort of the show is built around. And, and sometimes it's just guys like us, right, Murdoch, who, are, who just want to dive into some niche or, or confirm some facts. Like, we, we get this one type of letter a lot, which is like... Yo, guys, can you confirm that I'm not crazy? Because I remember this band that nobody else remembers. <laughs> so I thought, uh, as as these letters start to pile up, what might be fun is that we start something new using some of these bonus episodes, and we welcome you know, a, a new edition of the bonus episode called Forgotten Bands. So this is going to be the inaugural edition of Forgotten Bands. Are you up for this? I am, and I have no idea what... The first inaugural. I like it when people say those things. Inaugural makes no sense. It's a fun word. The first inaugural, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, or when people right. say like the the you know like you can use annual too often when you say annual. The first annual. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's like those things. I'm ready for band number one on this list, though. This one That's comes from. Saying. This one comes from Jonah, who's writing from Fort Worth, Texas. I got to say, Jonah, I was in Fort Worth this summer. I had a a burger at a sports bar near my hotel. Cannot remember the name of either of those two things, but I will tell you it was delicious. I had a great experience watching the NBA Finals at a sports bar. So that's my Fort Worth experience, and it was it was dandy. So thank you for hosting. Uh, so Jonah, I've always wanted to visit, uh, and I've never made it there. What's up, man? Thanks for writing us a letter. Here's what he says. Guys, a co-worker recently told me about a wonderful Welsh band called Budgie. B-U-D-G-I-E. Their self-titled album is incredible, and I cannot stop listening to it. I've heard they made like maybe 10 records, but I really don't ever hear about them. What can you tell me about these guys? And I'm asking you, Murdoch, because I know this falls in your sweet spot. It is it is heavy metal of the early variety. What do you know about Budgie? Oh, um, I'm probably I probably got into them like most people did because I bought that Metallica Garage re revisited EP in 1987 that was 7.99 and it had Crash Course and Brain Surgery on it and that sunk and that was Jason Newstead and it was like oh this is interesting and and it was so crazy because from that to Injustice for All it's like oh there's no bass on that record but on right but on Garage Days you actually got to hear that you got to hear him play bass and he was really talented so that's how i discovered budgie yeah let, let's let's i think part of this if we're going to talk about these bands that may may be quasi forgotten is is hearing them right so like, let's hear a little bit of crash course in brain surgery
Yeah, that's got quite a groove to it. Uh, and Jonah's right. These guys are Welsh, right? So uh, they are, are mostly known as, uh, around one guy. Um, it, the, the membership will change throughout their history, but there's this one guy named Burke Shelley, and he will be that he's the voice you hear. And honestly, I think part of the reason the budgie has never been more well known is this. Like, let me let me describe them like somewhat subjectively uh, and see if you think this uh, rings any bells. So, yeah, riff heavy groove rock, uh, a, a singer with a very high voice who plays bass. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who's that start yeah. to sound like? That's just. It's it's Rush. I can see them. <laughs> so for the entirety of their career, Budgie cannot shake this Rush comparison. I read an obit of, because spoiler alert: uh, our friend Burke Shelley died recently, just in the last uh, couple of years. And I, if you read this obit in the Guardian, it, it it's like you can see they don't they don't say this band sounded like Rush, but it's like he wrote right to the edge of the sentence. <laughs> He's like mostly known for theirs. And he like erased it and then like changed it and said people thought they sounded like Zeppelin or something like, but it's, it's, it's a rush comparison their whole entire career. Well, here's, and here's some things just from being a fan of just liking Metallica and liking their cover songs is I was like, Oh, there, I bet that Budgie is like this real heavy band. And it's like, not totally true. They have songs that, feel like poppy and they're like not heavy yeah. at all. Yeah. And so it, it takes away the idea of them being like a big, like a rough rock and roll band, right? which is totally not what they are. But the other song um, is bread fan. And mm. I had it on a single, and I think it was the B side of Eye of the beholder, which believe that that was a freaking single that I own. <laughs> um, and they, they, I, I didn't see, it was like Lollapalooza when they did 96 or something. And they opened up, I think Lollapalooza with bread fan and like, that's not even their song. Yeah. And that song, that song totally kicks ass. Yeah. Um, let's, this is a live in LA. Uh, this is not Metallica. This is Budgie doing bread fan live in LA. An interesting factoid about Breadfan is that, okay, so MTV is like, what, 81? So 81. they create a promotional clip for this song in 73. <laughs> wow. And and they submit it. So there's like, uh, there's this show. Um, so they, they do it on 18 millimeter video. And there is a show called The Old Gray Whistle Test. And there was an artist that was scheduled to be on Old Grey Whistle Test and doesn't show up, and they like have this video, so they just play it. So that's how that's how it gets played in public. And it was thought for a long time to be lost, like this thing that they had made, and it, it was recovered later. And I'm not sure the timeline when, but when it's recovered they can't get sound on it. They only have the visual. And so there was a technician at the BBC Wales who goes back 
and Riet, you know, does some digital remastering and does some stuff to to put it all back together. And it's now had like six million views on YouTube because they just, you know, they put it in a um, in two thousand four. They put it on a remaster, and then now it's been obviously uploaded to YouTube. So you can go find this and look at it. But it's very like early precursor to the music video. That song, Bread Fan, and you're right, Metallica was playing it. For I mean, they were playing it a long time ago. They were playing it on the Injustice 80s. for All tour. Yeah, it was the 80s, yeah. So, and gosh, man, I totally dig that song. And and so, do you know but do you know that other people cover them, too? Oh, dude, um, so many. I think Soundgarden used to cover that. There, there's a whole yeah. list of bands that have covered that. Homicidal Suicidal. They played that song. Yeah. And, um, Van Halen? Made, Van Halen? Yeah, what was the Van Halen thing? I can't remember. Megadeth um, has done has done them. Iron Maiden, yeah, like you said, has played them. Like they they are they have been. A lot of people associate them as sort of this early precursor to what will eventually become the British New Wave heavy metal. Right? It's like the the influence for that movement, and that makes sense because you know we talked about this association with the um, guys in Rush, but th- there is another major association that they have, and that is with Black Sabbath. And this is for several reasons. One of them is the music is similar. Yeah. And well, too, if you think about where we sort of started this and where discovery of this band comes from, um, you know, this band, Diamond Head, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, the the new wave of British heavy metal, like this is the lore and the tale of Lars explaining on how Metallica like has a nucleus of a band. And um, oh yeah, and Motorhead. Sorry, right. I didn't say that. But all of those bands owe everything to Black Sabbath. Right. And the thing is, is that sometimes Budgie would get a like a Black Sabbath comparison, and sometimes you could kind of hear that sludgy's, you know, stoner stuff in there. And then right, the right, next right. song is not right. that kind of song. Well, and the timeline is similar <laughs> too, right? Because Budgie starts in '67. They're originally called Hills Contemporary Grass, which is maybe the worst name for a band I've ever heard. And asked why they end up changing their name to Budgie, there is at some point Burke Shelley will say that he just liked the idea of having a name that sounded not like the music. <laughs> It's like, I just want something that sounds the opposite of what we're actually putting into the world. But there's another reason they get this Sabbath association. And I'm curious if you know this. It's because of a guy named Roger Bain. Do you know that name? Um, It's familiar. I don't know who he is. You do know it. You've seen his work because he produces the first three Sabbath records. Oh, oh, it's from the back of the record. (laughs) I didn't know that was the producer. here's, Here's the thing, though. He's not. I mean, he is known for that. But what he gets infamous for is what he does with Judas Priest. And he has a mixed reputation among metal fans because he makes some decisions when he's producing Priest that piss people off. First, Did he, he do Turbo Lover first? Is that the well, question? Well, he convinced them to not put Tyrant and Ripper and Genocide on the first record. And then he also, there's a, like a 10-minute song that he turns into a two-minute instrumental. He just cuts the vocal track out of it and cuts it down to two minutes on that record. And if you know Priest history, there's this whole record label squabble with this outfit called Goal Records, and they lose some of the rights to some of their stuff. And and this fight ends up resulting in basically like an unauthorized Priest album. And when Goal Records needs this Priest album finished and put together, they hire Roger Bain. 
So there are a lot of people who really hate that dude. But that dude also did the first two, uh, really the most famous Budgie records. Wow. Well, man, he put a, he had a footprint like in some big places. And then he just um, like quits music. So it, by the end of the 70s, this guy, Roger Bain, is like not working. He shows back up in the early 80s and then disappears again. Like it's crazy. But he, he touched the first three Sabbath records, the two Budgie records, and the first couple Judas Priest things. Those are his. Did favorites. he do anything of cons- like of consequence or anything in the eighties? No, the the stuff he did in the eighties was was inconsequential. But he what, the way he ends up in these rooms is he's like a house producer, and I'm blanking on what label it is. But there's a there's an early label that he's like the house guy for, and so he keeps getting brought in probably because he's like the economical choice for for these young bands. And yeah, so he's he's like a big influence on this on uh, really on what you were talking about the british new wave of heavy metal like if he's producing sabbath early he helps shape that sound you know yeah 10 years before which is wild yeah and it's interesting because you have to wonder about where how where his thumbs were like what were they twiddling on you know really because some of these songs i mean are super fantastic did, did you ever- do judas judas priest got the last laugh by the way they're in the rock and roll hall of fame i know did did you ever watch Night Flight TV on the USA Network in the eighties? Did I watch Night Flight, <laughs> Brian? <laughs> in the eighties, I was a budding adolescent and teenager with cable with uh, no curfew, no supervision. Stay, yeah, like dr- eat ice cream and drink soda and watch <laughs> Night Flight till two o'clock in the morning. Watch those Elvira movies. Did you watch the Elvira movies, Brian? I, I, what do you think? No, but did you you how did so? Did you watch Night Flight? No, did you not watch that. I, I, I didn't watch Night Flight. I, okay. well, I'm asking I, you if you watch Night Flight for a specific reason. Do you did you ever watch J Men Forever on Night Flight? I don't. What is that? So, I mean, I watched it all the time. I used to tape. Yeah. So J Men Forever is a movie that came out in 1979. And it was a, a regular thing on Night Flight. And it was originally called The Secret World War. It's a comedy uh, by Philip Proctor and Peter Bergman. And it, it is a pastiche where they basically take uh, clips from Republic serials and they redub them with fake dialogue. To t- and so it's like, looks like old you know, serial film where it's here and here we are, we're conquering the world, blah, 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 blah. But instead they redub it and the dialogue is like sex and drugs and rock and roll. And like, you know, they just change all of that. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at it now. I don't know if it, if I bet if it, I bet if I did watch it, I bet it went all the way over my head. Well, yeah, but what you would have heard is budgie. (laughs) (laughs) Because they, oh, wow. played, yeah, so Impeccable, their 1978 LP was featured heavily in J-Men Forever. So there's like this random pop culture thing. There's somebody right now who is screaming at their listening device. And they're like, oh my God, J-Men Forever. That's how I know Budgie. That's, yeah, it is. That's how you know Budgie. Uh, it is considered yeah. a cult classic and, and they were a part of it. Much like, and speaking of cult classicism here, there's another interesting little side note as we wrap on Budgie, which is, they never really make it in America for the most part. But we, you know, and I don't know if you and I have probably talked about this before. I talk about it with a lot of people. Texas is not America in a lot of ways. I mean, I know we have some great listeners in Texas. We love you. But it's, yeah, you know, you, you know, if you live in Texas, you know. 
I visited Texas twice in the last few months. It was great. So I, like I said, Fort Worth. It, it is funny that you're from Texas and you wrote us this letter, Jonah. So in Texas, there is a, a, a period where Budgie gets this weird cult following, specifically in Texas. And they really can't draw a crowd anywhere except for Texas. And so they go to San Antonio in 2002 and record a live album. <laughs> so there is yeah, a live in San Antonio Budgie record that is out there somewhere. So yeah. God bless Texas. I want to know how that happened. Like, yeah. is that radio play? Yeah, well, like, so it is. It is radio. Think- it, it's radio airplay specifically. So this is actually, there is a very documented way that this happens, right? So there is a, uh, a KMAC or uh, KISS in San Antonio in the 70s has these two jocks, Joe Anthony and Lou Roney. And they are just into budgie. And this was back in the day where you just spike in the shit you want to hear, right? And so they're doing it. This also happens a little bit wow. to a lesser extent at KSHE, KSHE 95 in St. Louis. So those two radio stations like only are, um, are, are doing budgie in the 70s. And, and just people know who they are in those areas. So the band reforms. They use various drummers. And they basically do one-off gigs in the 90s. And then they, they do outdoor festivals. And they do a big festival in San Antonio. And it, it's wild. They'll end up. They'll do other places. They do New York City and they do Dallas. And but for the most part, it's like Sweden Rock Festival, shit in Europe, and San Antonio. Man, I might go to the Sweden Rock Festival sometime. I think you're like perfectly equipped to pull that off. I think you should do it. Yeah, I uh, I know someone that goes. And they were like, I'd love for you to come with me sometime. And I was like, he doesn't have anyone to go with either. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, this is a win-win. I don't have anyone to go with. So it would be like a, a fun thing or whatever. But how adorable and sweet is this story that the reason that they ever broke anywhere in America was because of radio DJs, Brian. A couple, couple of radio dudes, man. Making the the thing, Jonah. This was an awesome letter. This is awesome, and this is the first. This is the first. You know, whatever we call this, a bonus episode, a spinoff episode of Forgotten Bands. So we will do more Forgotten Bands episodes in coming weeks. But I thought this was sort of fun, right? Because we we get to rediscover Budgie. What 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 should we end with? Guts or new disintegrating parachutist? New disintegrating parachutes. <laughs> I will say the other thing we haven't mentioned about Budgie is go look at their track listings because they have amazing song titles. Like, really, yeah. really good stuff. Uh, I was just outside looking at the big supermoon and listening to that song, <laughs> wondering if we were going to talk about that song. <laughs> Nude Disintegrating Parachutist Woman. This is the 2013 remaster of uh, the classic self-titled Budgie record. Enjoy this and keep telling stories. Uh-huh. 